The title of my message today is From I Do to I Did. And I want to show you how Paul made sure to let the elders in Ephesus know that he did what he was sent to do. I'm going to hit you with something today that you may have never heard before. Maybe it's a message with a point of view that you've never seen before. Some of you will think this is a little bit on the edge and a little bit prideful, but I just want to tell you to just hang tight, let God's word speak to you today. You're going you're gonna to see something I think maybe you've never seen before. Acts chapter 20, starting in verse 16. So Paul's been in Asia, and he's been planting churches. He's been through some stuff. He's been almost killed several times, he's been beaten, he's been in jail, he's, he's, had, to been, he's had to be snuck out of town, he's, he's dealt with demons, he's dealt with demons possessed by people, he's dealt with, <laughs> some of you didn't catch that, <laughs> he dealt with all kind of stuff while he was in Asia and he spent a lot of time in Ephesus and he planted a church there and, and, and Paul just went through some stuff. So watch what happens. He's getting ready to leave Asia. Verse 16, look at what he says. Paul had decided to sail on past Ephesus, so he was in a boat leaving the region, the province of Asia, for he didn't want to spend any more time in the province of Asia. He was hurrying to get to Jerusalem, if possible, in time for the festival of Pentecost. So, so catch what we've got so far. Paul was in a hurry to leave Asia and get to Jerusalem, he was in a hurry to get from where he had been for several years to the next place, and, the, and it says that he was sailing past Ephesus, right? So he, was, he had planned to go past, like he wasn't stopping anymore, like he was, I'm done with this region, God, I'm done, I feel like I've done what God's told me to do, I'm moving on to the next place, and he's, he's moving in that direction, verse 17, but he stops, it says, but when he landed in Miletus, he sent a message to the elders of the church at Ephesus, asking them to come and meet him. And when they arrived, he declared, you know that from the day I set foot in the province of Asia until now, listen, listen to Paul's language, I have done the Lord's work humbly and with many tears. That in itself could be considered a very prideful statement. That in itself could really put Paul in a bad light if you weren't careful to read it the right way. I have done the Lord's work humbly and with many tears. I have endured the trials that came to me from the plots of the Jews. I never shrank back from telling you what you needed to hear, either publicly or in your homes. I have had one message for the Jews and the Greeks alike. The necessity of repenting from sin and turning to God and of having faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. So Paul said, he stops the ship, calls for the elders in Ephesus to come and meet him. I got one more thing I need to say. I got one more thing that you need to get before I leave. Here is my last message. I thought I preached it already, but the Lord just told me I got another message for you. It's my I did message. And you need to hear my I did message. I'm afraid the church doesn't have enough confidence 
I'm afraid the church doesn't have enough boldness. I'm afraid the church is missing the target most of the time when it doesn't even have to. Paul stopped the bus or the boat and he said, hey, I got one more thing to say. I want you to hear what I did. And boy, I hope you get the heart of this message today because I think it's going to transform your life. Because just like my uncle, Paul, from the day he said I do to Jesus, had been on a mission with I did at the end of his time or at the end of his life. In fact, if you read all the scriptures, all the New Testament, you'll pick up this theme from Paul. Whenever he ends a letter, he, he reminds them of what he did. He reminds them of his suffering. He reminds them of his pain. He reminds him, he reminds the church that I've been through some stuff. Why would he want to remind us that he's been through so much stuff? Could it be because we going to go through some stuff? And I want you to catch what Paul said. He's in verse 20, he said, I never shrank back. Wasn't no honey, I shrunk the kids. I did not shrink back. In other words, I did not let circumstances, situations, disappointments, hurts, wounds, scars, whatever, stop me from doing what God called me to do. I did not shrink back. I did it in tears most of the time. I did it with a tremendous amount of pain in my heart most of the time. Sometimes I physically couldn't do it, but because of the anointing of God, I stood and I did what he called me to do. I didn't shrink back. He refused to let the trouble in front of him Keep him from the mission assigned to him. And I want you to hear me today. When you know your mission, you don't wait around for permission. I'm going to tell you right now, when God gets a hold of your heart and he gives you a mission, you don't need man's permission. <laughs> I'll tell you my story. The Lord told us to go find Bubba, ask him what he needs. Many of you heard this story. We packed up our bags, put our house up for sale, traveled two hours from Franklin to Jennings and planted ourselves in a church we knew nothing about with a man we barely knew, and we did it. And some might say, that's just stupid. I'd say, it seemed like it, but it was the smartest decision I've ever made in my life. While we were there, I was praying because I didn't, I didn't just rely on other men to give me my mission. You see, when I got into this relationship with Jesus, it was me and him. It wasn't me through other men to him. It was me and him. He invited me into a personal relationship with himself. I don't need anybody else to stand in for me. I don't need a substitute Jesus to help me understand the real Jesus. I got Jesus to myself. And he's with me all the time, and he meets me. He knows where I live. He knows my address. He knows when I get up in the mornings, and he meets me in my office, and we talk, and he likes it that I drink coffee. I think he likes coffee too. <laughs> it's my relationship with Jesus. So in my relationship with Jesus, he said, you ready for a mission? 
Because I'd been praying, Lord, what do you want me to do? You just disrupted my whole life. You took me from my home and you planted me in a city that I know nothing about with a man I barely know. What do you want me to do? Like, I'm not here to waste my time. I'm not here just to change cities. Like, what do you want me to do? That's how I'd been praying. He said, okay, I'm I'm, I'm, going to tell you what what you're going to do. You're going to reach men. You're going to reach men. That was my, that is still my mission today. You did not walk into a pansy church. You don't have a limp-wristed preacher who's over here trying to make you feel good, right? I talk to everybody like a man, right? I try to tone it down for a woman, but sometimes it's just tough. And honestly, we got some women in this church, they tough too. (laughs) And they just got to be talked to right with respect. You know what I'm saying. But this ain't, no, this ain't no flimsy church. This is a man's church. And if that offends you, you need to go to a woman's church. <laughs> I don't mean to be disrespectful in that at all. I'm just cutting up a little bit. But, but seriously, God put me on a mission for men. And, and so what I did with my mission is I went to Pastor Bub and I said, man, listen, God gave me a word like, Pastor Bubba, I, I love men. <laughs> Y'all all know Pastor Bubba. He's like, <laughs> I could do a whole lot with that. <laughs> he said, but I think I know what you're saying. I said, yeah. I said, God's, God's burdened my heart. I was almost in tears. God's burdened my heart for men, Pastor Bubba. And, and, and he said, well, praise God. Get rolling. Do what the Lord tells you to do. I didn't go to him to ask for permission. Because he's not Jesus. We put too much pressure on preachers. Like they got to be our Jesus. I will let you down 100% of the time. I am not Jesus. I'm far from Jesus. But I'm more like him every day. He gave me my mission and I went to Pastor Bob and I said, this is what God's called me to do. This is the burden in my heart. Tell me what you think about this. Tell me, just tell me something. He goes, I believe it's true. I believe it's God. Get after it, man. And God, start making disciples. Start going after men. So I did. I started calling men out. We would sit in some, I, I did a life group. We sat in some life groups and I looked men straight in the eye and I talked to him like a man. I said, are you being discipled? Silence of the lambs. If you're not being discipled, you need to be discipled so that you can turn around and make a disciple. You're a man, a man of God. Are you saved? It was toned down a little bit, but it was. And so I started. (laughs) I went after men. I was chasing men. And then a position opened up. We needed a children's church pastor. By the way, be careful what you complain about. I complained about the children's church pastor. I got the job. <laughs> Didn't want it, but I got it. And then my, my, my children's church, my, my OSC kids group turned into 99% boys. OSC kids right now is 90-something percent boys. Our youth group is 90-something percent boys. Don't tell me this is a feminine church. 
Don't tell me God didn't give me the wrong mission. It's a church for everybody to be welcomed in. But watch this. We have a mission to reach and train men who can turn around and lead their families, who can turn around and pastor their wives and husband their wives and raise their children up and have a good example for their kids to follow, something that's drastically different than the world. And so I got my mission and I went after it, and I've just been after it ever since. And I want you to understand something today. Some of us are praying for God's anointing but we don't even know what our purpose is. God anoints for purpose. He doesn't anoint for nothing. (laughs) So what, what should your prayer be? Lord, what's my mission? I know I'm supposed to make disciples. I know I'm supposed to love you with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength and love my neighbors myself. Great. Can you tune that down or refine that or define that for me? Can you help me understand what my mission is? And then when you get a hold of it, something inside of you is going to start to burn. You can sing, give me a fresh, fresh fire till you're blue in the face. But until you get a mission, there ain't no reason to start a fire. So Paul stayed on mission no matter what it cost him. He refused to stop preaching the gospel. Verse 22. Listen to his language again. And now I am bound. You might want to underline that word bound. I'm going to tell you what it means in a minute. Now I am bound. I'm bound by the Spirit to go to Jerusalem. I don't know what awaits me, except that the Holy Spirit keeps telling me or tells me in in city after city that jail and suffering lie ahead. Maybe he told him so it wouldn't be a surprise. And maybe somebody lied to you and said when you gave your heart to Jesus, everything would be perfect and fine. That's a lie from the pit of hell. That's not true. When you gave your heart to Jesus, you got a bullseye on your back and the enemy's been after you ever since. And his number one goal is to shut you up, shut you down, and get you to quit. Verse 24. Listen to this. But my life is worth nothing to me. That's so different than how we think today. My life is worth nothing to me. We spend 99% of our time caring what people think, what they think, not what we think. We spend way too much time doctoring photos on, on, it, on social media to get people to like it and cute it and do this and all that. And, ah! and it's all about what others think about me and not even what I think about myself. My life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned to me by the Lord Jesus. He's like this, if I can't finish the work he sent me to finish, then all of this was for nothing. You got to have that kind of attitude when you're going through trouble. You got to have that kind of attitude when the enemy's coming at you. That's the kind of attitude that gets you through the attacks. It gets you through the struggles. It gets you through the hard emotions that come at you. Like, I'm not quitting because my life ain't worth nothing unless I finish what Jesus sent me to do. You have no clue how many times I've wanted to quit. 
and not just the church. How many times I've wanted to quit following Jesus? Because I don't like the bullseye. I get blamed for stuff ain't even my fault. People mad at Jesus, mad at me. I'm like, bro. But my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned me by the Lord Jesus. Here's the work. The work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. So watch, watch this word bound. This is where your heart's going to change. Paul said, and now I am bound by the Spirit. That word bound in the Greek is deo. And it means this. It means to put yourself under a binding obligation to put yourself under a binding obligation. It's not a commitment. It's not a contract, because we can get out of contracts and commitments all the time. It's a binding. I'm putting myself, I'm binding myself, putting myself under the leadership of the Holy Spirit. My life is not mine anymore. That means my plans submit to Jesus. My will submits to Jesus. My dreams submit to Jesus. What my parents told me submit to Jesus. What people think about me submits to Jesus. I'm bound. It uses the language of marriage, like a wife being bound to her husband or a husband being bound to his wife. It's a choice. It's a decision. Watch this. It's a decision to surrender your life. To give it up. I'm all in, Jesus. I'm all in. You know what's funny when we get offended is that when an offense comes, we usually get offended because whatever was said or done devalues us, we believe. Because we had some kind of unhealthy value system about ourselves. So somebody can say, bro, you're fat. And I could either get offended, punch him in the nose. <laughs> or I can just go, you ain't seen me in a while because I was fat. I'm on my way down now. Right? But whatever offends you has value in your life. And when that offense comes... You get confronted with that value system. This is making sense. So, so when you get offended, you don't need to just stay offended. You need to figure out why you're offended. And it's not always because they. You got to quit saying they. You got to start looking inward. Why does this bother? That's my new prayer now is when something bothers me, Lord, why does this bother me? That's the question. I'm asking a better question. God, why does this bother? I'm not saying, Lord, knock their block off. Lord, just, I pray all their hair falls out. Lord, I pray they gain weight. I'm none of that. It's just like, Lord, why does this bother me so much? And 100% of the time, he helps me understand why it bothers me. And it's usually because I put value in the wrong things.
Paul considers his life worth nothing, even to himself. Some of you have unrealistic expectations of yourself that need to die today. So how do we ever get to this place in our hearts? I, I don't, so I had to wrestle with this as I'm writing my message. I had to wrestle with, Lord, am I even there where I'm preaching? God, am I even where Paul is where I would consider my life nothing unless I finish? And I had to get honest because I can't stand up here and just assume that's who I am. That would be hypocritical to you. For me to preach one thing to you that I can't even live out myself. And I'll be honest with you today. I don't know if I'm there. There's still some things in my life that hold too much value. But the Lord's showing me we're working on it and we're moving forward. I'm not sitting under it, learning how to live with it, trying to get along with it. I'm trying to get away from it. Come on, somebody. <laughs> Paul sold out. This, this is kind of funny. I, I played football at McNeese, and I never, I never got to start a game. I was uh, on the practice squad. I was lazy in my academics, and so I was always on academic probation, and I had good talent, sufficient enough to start, and, but man, I was a hell of a practicer. Can I just say that? Like nobody could practice like me. They wouldn't put, they, they never gave me an official game jersey. They never let me dress out for the Saturday game. But bro, I could practice. I was a practicing son of a gun. And when I get in practice, that was my chance to play football again. And I would go all out. And sometimes coach would come up behind me and go, hey, Tyler, make a fool out of him. And I was on the practice squad. So I was, I was a live dummy is what I was. I was a, I was a little bit like Rudy. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Rudy, yeah, I had a little Rudy spirit on me. But I was taller, heavier, in different position, but. But I'll never forget, one of my friends was lined up against me. He was an offensive tackle. He was a starter. And so coach put me at defensive end, and he was like, he came up behind me. He's like, make a fool out of him. I was like, mm -hmm. <laughs> And so, like, the ball snapped. I went all out, made a fool out of him. He got mad. He started beating me up. What was funny, though, is he's beating me up with my helmet on. Just side note, if you're playing football and you get into a fight, don't take your helmet off. That's the dumbest thing you can do. Keep it on. Like he was hurt worse than I was. He was mad because I sold out to the team's accomplishments and the goal of the team and I didn't sell out to him. You see, the world's begging for you to sell out to it and not to Jesus because when you sell out to Jesus, the world don't feel right. The world gets made a fool of. Come on. I used to get offended because people would call me a sellout. Now I go, I'm sold. I'm so sellout, thank you. Man, I love you. You know how to encourage somebody. You sell out. Yep, that's who I am. Be careful you don't sell out to others' opinions and totally miss out on the mission you were sent to accomplish. 
In fact, you ought to answer these two questions. Have you sold out to this world? Does the world mean more to you than what Jesus does? Does your things mean more than what Jesus does? Does your, does your possessions have more value than your mission? Here's another question you might ought to ask yourself. Can Jesus even trust you with a mission? So don't assume you're just going to get one. Watch this. Don't assume you're just going to get a mission. He gives missions to people who are sold out that will accomplish the mission. So if you have no intention, and he knows your heart, if you have no intention of fulfilling the mission, why would he waste his time giving it to you? Last time I checked, God don't waste a moment. He don't waste time. He don't do something for nothing. Right? Can he trust you with a mission? How do I get trustworthy with a mission? Number one, you need to start asking for one. Number two, you need to sell out to him and, and divorce the world. Number three, you need to check your value system. What has too much value in your life? You know that by what you have a hard time letting go of. Does that make sense? Verse 25. Paul's still going. <laughs> he's, he's delivering his I did message. It gets really strong right here in verse 25. Watch what he says. I now, I, I know, no. And now I know that none of you to whom I have preached the kingdom will ever see me again. Listen to the language. I declare today. Oh, this is good. I declare today that I have been faithful. How many of us can say that today? How many of us can stand before Jesus, the cloud of witnesses and man, and say, I declare today that I have been faithful? If anyone, listen to this, if anyone suffers eternal death, it's not my fault. What? What? How can you say that, Paul? How can you stand in front of the elders of the church and say, I declare today that I've been faithful, and if somebody burns in hell, it ain't my fault. Oh my gosh, that seems jacked up, doesn't it? Like, Paul, you better check yourself, bro. Like, you... How do you make a statement like that? So genuine that God puts it in the Bible. If someone burns in hell, it's not my fault. Verse 27. For I didn't shrink from declaring all that God wants you to know. So let's unpack that a little bit. Paul's first statement is that I have been faithful. How can he even say that? How, how does he get that much confidence? Anybody wondering that right now? Like, like, how do you actually get there where Paul is? Listen to me. 
Paul was a man just like any of us. Paul was not Jesus. He was not 100% God and 100%. Paul was 100% man. He was saved and he was filled with God's spirit just like we all are or can be. That when he had no superpowers, no super strengths, he just sold out to the right one. How do we get where Paul is? How do we get to the end of our season somewhere or the end of our life and stand in front of man and God and say, I declare that I've been faithful with that kind of confidence? How? How does that happen? you got to be wondering that. If you're hungry for Jesus, those thoughts have to be running through your mind. Like, how do I get there? Because I'm not sure if I am there. Maybe you are. But even me, I'm sitting there going, man, how do I get there? I don't know if I'm there. I don't know if I'm there. I don't know if I have that thing where I can say, I've been faithful. How does he get that? This thought came to mind when I was asking that question. You become like the company you keep. Be with Jesus, become like Jesus. You see, the Holy Spirit's got to really break it down simple for me. Maybe you're more complicated than I am. It's just simple. Be with Jesus. Be like Jesus. Become like Jesus. You, you act like who you hang around with. You are who you hang around with. I could always tell you who my kids were hanging around with because they would, they would start acting like them. I'm like, you, you hung out with so-and-so today at school, didn't you? Yeah, how do you know? Because you're acting just like them. This kind of confidence comes from the influence that Jesus gets in your life. Does Jesus have influence in your life? Is he really your Lord? Or is he just your Savior? Last time I checked, when God described Jesus, he's both Lord and Christ. He's your Savior and your Lord. Like you didn't just get a Savior, you got a Savior and a Lord. Why do you need a Lord? Because you need one, because you ain't a good one, because you wreck stuff, and he leads better than we do, right? Look at your neighbor and say, you need a Lord. And I'm not them. I'm not him. Some of you say, I'm not leaving that part out. They really need to respect me, and they need to understand my position in their life, and Jesus had influence in Paul's life. Jesus led Paul. So how do you know that you've been faithful? These are questions I'm asking. You just get to hear what's, what was in my notes. I mean, how do I know that I've been faithful? Like, how do I know? How can I stand here today and say that I've been faithful? I, how do I do that? Well, first off, i got to have a little bit of history that proves that I've been faithful, right? At least a couple days. Come, like when you hire somebody new at work, how do you know if they're a good employee? you got to give them a little bit of time. That's why they give you a 30, 60, or 90-day grace period, right, to find out if you're actually faithful. Are you going to show up on time? Everybody shows up on time the first day. Most people do. Today, all those stats have changed. But how do you know that you've been faithful? you got to have a little bit of history to look back on and say, well, I have been faithful. I can be more faithful, but I have been faithful, Right? So when you evaluate where you've been, you can then understand where you are and then change things going forward. <laughs> You're not doing it by yourself. This usually happens in your quiet time with Jesus. 
How do we establish faithfulness in our lives? Listen to me clearly. One day at a time. One day at a time. Not two days, not 12 days, not 10 years at a time. One day at a time is how I establish faithfulness in my life. I'm responsible to be faithful today. When I wake up tomorrow, I'm responsible to be faithful tomorrow. I just need to be faithful one day at a time. If I'll get good at being faithful one day at a time, I will look back and have a life of faithfulness. Or maybe when you're laying in a casket and the people are talking about you, they're saying, boy, he's been or she's been faithful. How did they get to be so faithful? One day at a time. How often do you need to surrender? At least one day at a time. I personally sometimes have to surrender five to six to ten to twelve multiple times a day. I like to take stuff back when it don't go my way. Can anybody feel my pain? I didn't work it. Another way that you establish faithfulness in your life is to make yourself available to him. <laughs> you can, you would all probably connect with this. How many of you have had people that, you don't have to show your hands, but how many of you have had people that, have, that you've really wanted to be friends with? Like you feel like y'all would click, like y'all would be good friends, but like it never happened? Anybody ever have that? I, mean, I, think, I think so-and-so and I could be real good friends, and it just never happened. Why didn't it happen? You ever wonder? Anybody ever wonder? Maybe you didn't make yourself available. Or maybe they didn't make themselves available to you. Right? Make yourself available to him. Simply put, you do that in your prayer time, usually in the mornings. Don't, don't make yourself available to him right when you're going to bed. That's foul. Like, Lord, you got 10 minutes. I'm really tired. He's like, well, dang, I wish I could have had the first 10 minutes and not the last 10 minutes. Because we could have really done some stuff and you really could have seen some stuff and you'd have been blown away by what I could have done with you today if you'd have just made yourself available to me today in the morning and not in the afternoon when you're about to go to bed. Because I, I can work in you while you're sleeping, but it really don't do much but frustrate you, your spouse. Make yourself available. Here's the second statement Paul makes that blows my mind. It's not my fault. Whew. That one, man, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you, that one just tears me up. It's not my fault. When people get mad at me as their pastor and they get offended by me, it bothers me. But let me just, I got to say this because it just sometimes you just got to say what needs to be said when it needs to be said. Like sometimes I don't know when people are upset with me. Sometimes I don't know when people are offended at me. I've had people go years with their offense towards me 
And I'm walking around happy dory, just like, hey, how you doing, man? Good to see you. All right. They're like, yay, Pastor Jerry, all right. Sorry, sucker. <laughs> and I have no clue. That junk hurts. If I step on your toe, say ouch. Don't go, oh, you big heavy thing, you. You need to get in the gym. Start eating right. By the way, by the way, I'm going to say it. I'm going to say it. Last Sunday, y'all got a good laugh on me when I said I was going into a 36 jeans. Y'all broke out in laughter. And it was funny. I laughed too because I thought it was kind of hilarious too. But that night we had a worship night. And there was a lady that showed up for the first time and she said, I had to ask somebody who you were because you, you're so skinny now that I didn't even recognize you. Can I get a witness in this place? Now I'm not going to put too much value on that because I might get deflated here in a minute. But I'm just saying, it felt good for a minute. For some, I ain't never been called skinny before. Come on, somebody. Like, that's like, what? What did you call me? Oh, my God. Like, my soul didn't even know how to react. It was like. Skinny? I think I went to bed with a smile on my face. Just like, I've arrived. I've been called skinny. Feels good. <laughs> it's not my fault. Not my weight. I'm just saying. <laughs> that is my fault. Actually, it's Cheryl's fault. She cooks too good. <laughs> she does cook great, though. We actually had we have a prophet, Pastor Jim Lafoon. He asked Pastor Bubba one time. He said, "He said, Bubba, Jamie's wife can cook, huh?" He was like, "Pastor Jim, look at Jamie." He said, "Yeah, she can cook." He said, "She cooked some good gravies." Huh? He said, "Pastor Jim, she can cook." Just look at Jamie. Anyway, all right, let's get serious. Paul says it's not my fault. And I don't know how Paul can say that because I have an issue with taking responsibility for things that really aren't mine. And God's wrestling that out in my heart right now. He's healing me and delivering me from the responsibility that ain't mine. And, and, and so I, I can, I'm starting to relate a little bit with this because Paul, he stands in front of the elders of the church and he says, if somebody, basically, if somebody burns in hell, it's not my fault. I go, Wow. Wow, I got a title. I got a title. I got a title named, my title's pastor. And like I'm responsible. And, and I want to make sure people can grow and people can get equipped to do the work of the ministry. But honestly, at the end of the day, it's your fault if you burn in hell. It's not my fault if you burn in hell. Unless I teach you something that's wrong, it's not my fault. Right? And that's what Paul's saying. I've come and daily I've done what the Lord's told me to do. And I'm standing before you now. I'm done with this work here. And it's not my fault if somebody burns in hell. Whew. You can only say that though. Yes, I do. You can only say that when you know that. With the kind of knowing that comes from experience with walking with Jesus every day. How do you become faithful? One day at a time. 
one day at a time. All kinds of things happen to you when you're faithful one day at a time. Man, God's going to take you on a journey. Christianity's not boring. It is not boring. Paul had an I did attitude with these people. I did what I was told to do. He was responsible for his part, but not their part. I'm telling you right now, I have more, more and more understanding that I'm not, I don't have really much to do with the results. I don't. I don't have a whole lot to do with the results. Like literally, I'm just a guy that walks around with a bag of seeds and, and just throws them out. And it's like, okay, I'm done. Go home, drink coffee. It's not my fault. Now, it's foul to say that if you haven't been walking with Jesus daily, though. Then Paul says, I didn't shrink. That word shrink means to conceal. <laughs> he didn't conceal anything. Uh-oh. It means when he got around his friends, he didn't conceal his Christianity. When he got around people that, that, that had this, he thought had a certain image of him, he didn't conceal his real desires and passions and the burn in his heart. He didn't conceal it. He didn't cover up his light. He let his light shine everywhere he went. Nothing covered his light. He let it shine. If you didn't like the light, well, then you got to go back to the darkness, right? But like, I'm a, I'm, God's called me to be the light. I'm going to be the light. He didn't shrink. He didn't draw back. He didn't shun. He didn't withdraw. He didn't back down from anything. Paul wasn't good at backing up, and neither should we be. He wasn't good at hiding, and neither should we be. You see, the same tenacity Paul had when he was persecuting Christians, he had when he was making Christians. If he couldn't get through it, he would get over it or around it, but either way, he kept moving forward, moving forward forward, moving forward. You're not healthy when you're stuck. Your thoughts get rampant when you're stuck. You're not healthy stuck. A dump truck's not productive stuck in a ditch. Come on. So Paul's making sure that his example is clear to them, and he expects the same from them. Verse 28, I'm getting close to the end. So guard yourselves and God's people. Feed and shepherd God's flock, his church purchased with his own blood, over which the Holy Spirit has appointed you as leaders. I know that false teachers like vicious wolves will come in among you after I leave, not sparing the flock. Even some men from your own group will rise up and distort the truth in order to draw a following. Watch out. Remember the three years I was with you? My constant watch and care over you night and day and my many tears for you? And now I entrust you to God and the message of his grace that is able to build you up and give you an inheritance with all those who has, he, has, he has set apart for himself. 
It takes a life of surrender to get from I do to I did. And it can be done. Do you believe that? It can be done. A lifetime of surrender, though, it's going to be painful. There's going to be tears. There's going to be some fighting. <laughs> I know some of you got a gentle spirit and you don't like to fight. You're going to have to fight. takes a lifetime of surrender to get from I do to I did, but it can be done. Listen to what Paul says in 2 Timothy 4, 6 to 8. And I'm going to wrap it up. As for me, my life has already been poured out as an offering to God. The time of my death is near. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. And I have remained faithful. And now the prize awaits me. The crown of righteousness which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on the day of his return. And the prize is not just for me, but for all. Say all. all. Listen to this. Here it is. All who eagerly look at, look forward to his appearing. All who eagerly look forward to his, all who are thinking about the end of their life. All who are thinking about their I did moment. One of my goals in life is when it's all said and done that the people that know me the best will be the ones that think the most of me. You heard that? Why? Because the people that know you the best know everything about you. And if those people think the most about you, you've done well. I want my kids to be proud of me. I want my great, 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 great grandkids to talk about their skinny pawpaw who made it to a size 36 jeans. Come on, somebody. Anybody got faith for your pastor? Gerald sent me a picture. Gerald sent me a picture yesterday of a clothes rack and had a 36. I was like, I receive it. So if my, if my jeans get skinny looking, I'm not wearing skinny jeans. It's just I made it to a 36 a little too quicker than I was supposed to. <laughs> you want your life to mean something? Do you want to be standing one day and be able to say with full confidence that I did stay faithful? I remained faithful. I did what God told me to do. Do you want that? You can have that. You can have it. One day at a time. The only step you need to take from here is surrender. What if you surrender the rest of the day to Jesus? Well, evidently you've already started because you surrendered your other plans to be in his, in his house, right? Congratulations, you're already on your way. What if you wake up in the morning and you surrender there again also? 
What if your first step is surrender and your next step is surrender and your third step is surrender and all the steps that you need to take is daily surrender to Jesus first thing in the morning? But I'm not a morning person. You can be. You can be. But I don't like it. Well, you're not going to like it for a while. I don't like diets, but... So what is God calling us to today? How do we go from I do follow Jesus to I did what Jesus told me to do? I have to surrender. So I want you to hear this today. Maybe you're here and you're like me. You're not sure if you've done that. You're not sure if you're there where Paul is. You're not just sure yet. You're just kind of like, ah. I can look back and say, man, there were some places I wasn't faithful. There were some things. Ah, there were seasons, maybe a couple of years that I just kind of, I wasn't faithful. I didn't do what he told me to do. And, and listen to me, if you're not careful, the enemy will sweep in in a moment and try to condemn you with that. But remember, Jesus always wants you looking forward. A man that's got vision has purpose. Okay, I didn't get it right then. But I got tomorrow because his mercies are new every morning. I get a fresh start in the morning. I can surrender in the morning. And what if you just get up in the morning and you say, Lord, I surrender. I give you, I give you whatever time I got. I, I just give it to you. I'm going to read. I'm going to pray. I'm going to worship. Whatever it is, I'm just giving you this moment. If it's 10, 5, 15, 30 minutes, whatever it is, I'm going to give this to you. I'm going to start where I'm at now. It doesn't have to be something grandiose. What if it's just something really small? And you get up in the morning and you say, Lord, I give you this day. I surrender. I surrender my plans. I surrender my purposes. I surrender my opinion. I surrender everything that I want, my desires. I surrender all that to you today, Jesus. Would you use me? And then you get up and you go to do whatever you're supposed to do that day. And all it takes is a little bit of expectation for God to do it. And if you'll pay attention that day, I promise you, he'll give you a moment. There will be a moment for him to use you that day. And you know what happens when you recognize when God uses you? It makes tomorrow even better. Man, that was good. Like, I prayed for that lady at work and it was, I was nervous, but I prayed for her. Oh my God, what's going on? What you got tomorrow? Come on. You might start to get your wonder back. You might start to build your expectation. That's your faith. You might start to build your faith a little bit. And then the next day you get up in the morning, you say, Hey, Lord, can we do it again? I give this to you today. I give you today too, Lord. sometimes what happens during that day is the enemy will come and poke at some of your wounds. He'll poke at some of your scars and your disappointments and your bad decisions. Why? Because he don't want you to see God moving in your life. You know what you do when that happens? When something gets poked, Lord, I surrender that to you also. By your stripes, 
you've already taken, I am healed. I surrender that pain to you. I surrender that disappointment to you. Then the next day, you get up and you do it again. I strongly encourage you to grab a journal and start writing down this stuff. Ecclesiastes says, it's better to be at funerals than to be at parties. Why? Why would it say that? Because at a funeral, you think about the end of your life. At a party, you think about the here and now. Bow your heads. I just want to pray for you. Where are you at today? Not where anybody else is. I don't want you worrying about somebody else. Where are you today? Have you been running? Have you been distracted? Have you been living unsurrendered? Have you been the Lord of your life? Running around with a Savior, but you ain't got a Lord. When you look back at the history of your life, does it scream faithfulness? Or is there only but a whisper of faithfulness? I encourage you to be honest with yourself this morning. And I promise you, Jesus is going to meet you right here, right now. So as you're looking back, I want you to I want you to take what you're seeing, take what you're remembering, take what you're thinking about. And I want you to just simply give it to Jesus right now. Right there in your in your spot. He's in the room. Maybe you need to start with repentance confession that's the best way to start is with a good confession and repentance it's just Lord I realize today that I haven't been faithful I can't say what Paul said I can't do that right now I don't have that I haven't proven myself to be faithful tell him that you want to be faithful I want to end my life with an I did and not an I tried or an I hoped or an I thought don't end your life with an I thought I did don't end a season with an I thought I did You can end it with confidence. I did. And you know that because you did. One day at a time, you did. Lord, I want you more than ever before. 
I want to accomplish the mission that you've given me. Like Paul, Lord, my life is worth nothing to me unless I finish the work that you've given me. I've had a bad habit of shrinking back. I've had a bad habit of covering up and concealing and withdrawing at times. But Lord, I know you're not done with me. And I know that you're with me. I don't want to shrink back. I don't want to withdraw. I don't want to conceal this great passion and love that I have for you. I want it to shine as brightly as possible so that all those around me may see. I want to burn for you with a genuine fire. I want to be able to stand with confidence and say, I have been faithful. It was mostly in tears. It was mostly in pain. It was mostly in suffering. But I've been faithful. I've been faithful. I wasn't perfect, but I was faithful. My history says I've been faithful. Oh, God, moving us this morning. Moving us this morning, Lord. Holy Spirit speaks to each one of us today. Show us where we've been. Show us where we are. But also show us where your plans are for us. Show us where we're going. Give us vision, Lord. Give us mission. Lord, I want to be trustworthy with a mission. you all to pray this with me this morning. Lord Jesus, I love you and I know that you love me. I need to surrender today. So I lay everything down. My hopes, my dreams, my passions, my desires, my plans, my hurts, my pains, my disappointments. Fear I lay down today. Doubt I lay down today. I surrender to you, Jesus. I need you, Jesus. Jesus.